So today, listen, I want to show you something. We talk about the light of the world. Paul's coming to an end. He's still answering questions. So sometimes you can actually pick up a passage like this and go, wait a minute. What is he talking about? We don't even have an opportunity to eat meat sacrificed to idols. What is he talking about? If you're not careful and you don't understand, if you haven't been with us, Paul is answering questions from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The church wrote to Paul from Corinth. Church of Corinth said, hey, Paul, it's so hard to live here. Yes, we've given our life to Jesus Christ, but you don't understand. The government is against our organized religion. The government is, is saying no to, uh, no, no to this Christianity alone. The government's saying it endorses a government religion that actually you have to go to the temple. And when you go to the temple, there's those women at the temple. And, and, and I know the, lady, the kids are here today, so I had to be careful how I talk, so bear with me. But there were women who did inappropriate things at their temple uh, that was called part of their praise. And how would you know those women? Well, their heads were shaved. And you would know they would actually, after the temple work they did, they would go into the market, and they would go down to the market, and those same women would be amongst uh, the general population, Christians and all. And so there were people getting saved. Those ladies were getting saved as well. And people in the population were getting saved. Every time someone shared their faith, guess what was happening? Well, uh, seeds were getting planted. Some were getting watered. And some people were bringing in the harvest, just like today, is it not? We, we talked about this morning in Catalyst. Why do we not see, more than any time ever, we're taking up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We'll take up uh, the Easter offering. We'll take up offerings, send our missionaries around the world. Why are we seeing less people come to Christ today than ever before when we're spending more resources to make it happen? We have the internet. We can put the gospel succinctly on the internet and send it to the whole world and, and share and share and share. But how come we're not seeing people come to Christ? You don't have to like this, but this is the truth. The Bible says in the last days, the love of many will grow cold or wax cold. Even if you're motivated to share your faith, you will actually not care enough about the person who's not here. You'll not care enough to pray. You'll not care enough to share. You'll say, well, they don't want to hear it anyway. They've already told me or, or they're callous to this or whatever. You'll make an excuse. And we always say, especially at Christmas, the family is the hardest to reach. If you don't reach your family with the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're going to die and go to hell forever. Does that bother you? It should motivate you, one, don't want them to go there, but two, out of love that God showed to you, it should be love expressed to them in such a way that you listen, I want everyone to know, and I don't care. I think of, uh, obviously, if I don't like the necessary movies, endorse any but Elf. If we could actually make Elf an evangelist. And when he's singing in the story, he doesn't care. He's singing, right? He's sitting in the store and he's singing. If that was the way it should be for us as, as Christians, we're, we're telling the gospel. We don't care who's upset about it. We, we share the gospel. We don't do it despite people. We do it out of joy because it's an overabundance of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've even forgotten how to sing in the church of God. We've forgotten how to praise him. And we're not even sure what a thousand hallelujah sounds like because probably a thousand haven't come out of our mouth since we've been Christians. Uh, hallelujah simply means praise the Lord. And it's okay to say it out loud. And it should be said out loud. The Bible is very clear. As the Psalms is very clear. We should be constantly in praise and prayer with the Lord. Not feeling this stoved up feeling that we feel sometimes. So let's go to today's scripture. Paul's talking about eating meats. He's finishing up this kind of question series. We've made several weeks out of it. He did it in a few verses, a few, uh, few paragraphs. And only Baptist preachers can extend it this long. Uh, but I want you to see as he's closing the door on this, the next passage, we're going to go into a Christmas theme. Obviously, next Sunday, you want to be here and invite your friends. It's called Christmas Chronicles. 
Uh, Bill Cox is going to do a dramatization of different uh, people without, throughout history. And, and of course, they're, they're, he's going to represent an angel, uh, uh, different people, the monologues. And he's going to share the gospel. We're going to sing Christ, uh, Christmas songs in the process in between the different scenes. But the gospel is going to be given out in a different way. won't be preaching per se. It's going to be obviously you've got to pick it up whenever he shares. So listen next week. When you come, bring a friend, bring a lot of friends. It's something they can come to, and it's a safe place to come. But they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the meaning of Christmas. So, but in the next couple of weeks in Catalyst, we're going to be into the Christmas theme. We're going to be focusing on Jesus Christ, and we'll pick up again almost to in January about chapter 11, and we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper. That's, is that hard or easy? Well, it was written because they were doing the Lord's Supper the wrong way. Uh, so it was written for our, the instructions of the church because they were doing it uh, obviously in vain. They were taking the Lord's Supper in vain. But before we do that, we're going to talk about women with shaved heads and why their heads are shaved and, and how women are to be covered, how to pray and prophesy the whole night, nine yards. We're going to get into that, and some people are afraid of that. Don't be afraid. We're going to walk in because the church at Corinth was asking the questions like, what about this? Paul's answering those questions. So if you read ahead... It's remember, don't just read it as, oh my goodness, so I should shave my head if I'm a lady? Don't shave your head, okay? Please don't shave your head before we get to that passage of Scripture. That's not what it means. So we want to tell you, if you read ahead, he's answering questions of the Corinthian church. So don't just go and take Scripture. That's why you should read it in context, because if you don't, you might end up with a shaved head and find out that's not appropriate, all right? Don't shave your heads, all right? Unless you're like me and can't grow hair. All right. Let's get the passage. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to draw back two verses to verse 21 from last week, and we're going to pick that back up. Paul says this to the church of Corinth, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons, or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Verse 25, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and its fullness, and I memorize it, its fullness thereof. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner or supper, it's in italics, it could be the one, and you desire to go eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience' sake. Verse 28, but if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, for, the, for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness thereof. There we are. We have that same verse again. Verse 29, conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? If I partake... With thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? All this food talk. Here we go, verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they might be saved. Hey, let's pray over this so we can actually ask God to take something from the word of God and help us grow in our spiritual walk. Help us to grow up. Let's pray. Father, help us to grow up as we read. Lord, in our culture, we don't think of meats being sacrificed to idols and different things that this culture would experience. But we have a lot of taboos that we do and don't do, and we have our 
rules and our scruples, all the things that we, Lord, would say, this is what we believe we're convicted of. Lord, help us in our Christian liberty to use it for the glory of God and the benefit of our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. I want you to see today's for conscience sake. Have you ever heard, the, uh, I used to hear some, some older ladies who say for conscience sake, or it's, if you look at the Oxford Dictionary, it's synonymous with for goodness sake, right? So the implication is there's, anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever heard for goodness sake? Have you ever heard for conscience sake? It's just a fill-in, I guess. I don't know where it come from, but it's, if you look at Oxford Dictionary, the two are together saying, for conscience sake, how I think about something, for goodness sake, for the good of mankind, for the good of my mind, uh, this is how we should think. And, and usually it comes with a negative after, for goodness sake, I can't believe she would do that, right? You did something wrong because you violated something good. That's the implication. For conscience sake, it's the same way. You did something wrong to violate someone else's process of their conscience. You, you did something that you knew would spike the ball on them, if you will. And how are they to respond? Uh, typically, if we get somebody spikes the ball on us, what do we want to do? Vengeance is mine, saith me, right? So the Lord. And sometimes we can tolerate. And there's time for accountability. So I'm not saying there's no not accountability here. But there's no ever, ever time for vengeance. Go to your notes if you would see this. I want you to go right into it. We dove in today in your notes that God demands faith and faithfulness from his followers. Would you agree with that statement? He demands faith. For without faith that he is, listen, you can't please God. Hebrews 11, 1, Hebrews eleven six is very clear. Without faith and believing that he is, you can't. You cannot please God. God is holy. Would you agree with that statement? And that's a statement we, it's hard for us to even understand. Kids, that I mean he has holes in him, right? That means he's super special. He's above all things. He has nothing, no sin, nothing wrong with God. He's absolutely perfect. Now, here's when you read this in the passage of Scripture. If you're not careful, you can say, wait a minute. You think of a jealous boyfriend or girlfriend. God is jealous for what belongs to him. And what belongs to him? Worship and service. We deeply offend him when we sin. That's what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, you go back to Exodus with me, and I know it's going to probably pop up on the screen, but I want you to go there in your Bible and mark this. Genesis and then Exodus, if you're new to the Bible. I want you to look at what the Bible says. And how old is the law? Was the law given to the Jews when they were in Egypt? No, they didn't have the law until when? On the way out of Exodus. That's why it's in the book of Exodus, right? The book of Exit Signs. You see the Exit Signs? They did not get the law until they left Egypt, all right? Exodus, that's where we get that word, and, and it's a root, exit there. They're leaving. But watch what God says as he's giving the law to Moses to give uh, to his people. They had all those freedoms in Egypt, and what did they do with their freedoms? What did they do with their freedoms? Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. He goes up to get the word from God. He's gone 40 days, and when he comes back, what does he find? There's a golden calf, and there's a party that we don't talk about in here, right? It's an it's a inappropriate party. I won't say the word because it's in the Bible, but I won't say it so kids don't. It's kind of a funny-sounding word, so kids, it'll ring in their mind. But you know what kind of party it is. They, when they rose up to play, they were not just playing softball and basketball. Um, they were doing very, very much inappropriate things. They had full freedom before God. God brought them out of the land of Egypt. He set them free. Not only were they free physically, but they were freed Spiritually, they could actually serve God now with all that they had. Instead of serving God that he delivered them, what were they doing? 
very opposite of that. They were profaning the name of God. They were profaning their bodies. They were profaning everything, even the food. And they even profaned so much, they said, hey, make us an idol. And Aaron's like, okay, take off all the earrings that the Egyptians gave you. Because remember, they plundered the Egyptians. And he made a cast. He made a mold of a cow. He didn't tell the whole story. He just says, uh, they gave me their earrings and they really wanted a God. So I just threw it into the fire and out came this nice calf. That's kind of like evolutionists today, right? <laughs> How dumb is that to believe that something happened out of nothing, right? He just, they didn't just take it out. He had to cast that thing in the, in the shape of a cow. And then when the cow was fired, when the, the fire had to be heat, heated to a certain degree to melt the gold. And then when it came out, they're having their party before this cow and saying, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt, the cow God, right? This is the Lord. This is the Lord. And they were giving credit to this idol for the unseen God, for the actual work that he'd done of bringing them through, uh, getting them out of slavery, for bringing them through the Red Sea, for taking the lives of all Pharaoh's army. And that's how they paid God back with their freedom. They worshiped something that they made with their own hands, something of value. Of course, it was gold. It was of some value, street value, but it was of zero value to God. Because what is an idol to a Christian and to God? An idol is what? It's nothing. It's just rock, metal, or wood. It's, it's nothing. And we, we think about this, and this is where God is very jealous. Watch what he repeats to his people whenever he is ready to speak to them. Verse 20, you're there? Say amen. Verse 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these things, saying, and God did speak, by the way. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. The end, no questions, none. Now, are there other gods? The answer is, there's, as a Christian, we know there's, there's really no other gods. Why was he saying, have no other gods, when there is no other God? Because he knew our nature is, we want to see it and touch it, right? How many of y'all have prayed about something, a job or a college or a mate or whatever it might be, a child, and say, Lord, just give me a sign. We want to see it, right? We don't want to believe by faith. If he puts it on our heart, we want to touch it. We want to go there and want to, we want to sign. We want God to flash it on a billboard going, hey, did that billboard just say what I was thought it said? That's what we're looking for. And God's very clear for us today. We live by faith and not by sight. So if you don't like that, you've got an issue with how God has set things up. You have to pray, use his authoritative source, which is the B-I-B-L-E, right, the Word of God. The Spirit of God will take it after you receive the Son of God, and He'll make you more like the Father. You'll be more like Jesus. You'll make wise decisions because your objective standard will be the Word of God. You say, well, I don't know how to do in this situation, a business transaction. Listen, God will show you. Well, somebody did me wrong. How do I respond? He will show you. If we will rely on Him and do it His way, what do we get, church? God's results 100% of the time. There is no way to do it. God's way and get the wrong result. It is not possible on the planet. Anywhere, any country, any place is not possible. So he says, you shall have no other gods before me, meaning knowing that we as knuckleheads would make other gods. Are there people doing that today? Yeah, look at Joseph Smith and the Mormons. You are your own God. You get to populate your own planet. It's the foolishness in what people are like, yeah, that sounds good to me. And then there's multiple millions of people today following that religion thinking, yeah, that's good with me. I like to have my own God and have multiple wives and have multiple whatever, whatever it might be. Muslims today, listen, you're going to actually get all these virgins in heaven. What a, what a great place it's going to be. 
Could you imagine just absolutely, if you just play that, drive down, we always said drive down that dirt road till you get to the end, right? What's at the end of the most dirt roads when you're, if you lived in the country? That's where the dump was, right? You just used to throw your stuff, your trash over inside. You get to the end of the dirt road, you find out, why is the road split? Because there's usually pond or trouble or swamp, trash, something's in the middle of that road to make you divert. And then what happens is we want to, if we want a perfect scenario, if I had a scenario, I would paint this picture. This is how my future husband, my future wife, my children, we, we just can paint this stripe of what life's supposed to be all about, right? And say, God, this is it. And if you do this, God, God I'm going to live your way. That's not how we live. That's not how we should live anyway. It should be, God, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. That's what we should be telling God. So God comes back and says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, this is, this is terrible, upon the children to the third and fourth generations for those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Do you understand what God's principles are? You are to love him, and you are to keep his commandments. And if you do that, guess what's going to happen? The generations, he's going to show mercy to your offspring. You say, well, does that mean they're going to be saved? Well, I can't make you that promise this morning, but I can tell you, if you live a holy, righteous life before God, it will actually be demonstrated and, and impressed on your children's hearts so that they, too, have a desire to love and worship that same God. They get to choose their own faith one day. But listen, if you live for the world and you party and, do, and you seek after the riches of this world and you want to achieve and arrive and whatever it might be, your kids will do the very same thing. Even the secular society knows that from the 70s, I think it was, the song, The Cat in the Cradle. You remember the song? You ever heard the song? Right? There was no time for dad but when it was time because the dad had no time for the son. We will teach our children how to love the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, whether we teach them, and we should be verbally teaching them, but in our actions as well. If we do it God's way at home, we'll get God's results at home. Amen? You do it God's way at work, you're going to get God's result at work. It might be difficult, you're going to be suffering persecution, but if you do it God's way, you will get God's results no matter where you are in your life. There should have been an amen right there. All right, second point, I want you to see this. God is powerful. He's all-powerful. There is nothing you can name today that has any more power than God. Amen? There's nothing. The very things he warns us to stay away from are the very things which cause us harm and destroy our lives. Isn't that amazing? What we want, God says, don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't be a part of that. But God, I so desperately want that. Don't do it. And then if we do it, what happens? We go against God. It's called sin. And when we sin, we get the results of that sinful choice. That's why you and I have cancer today, heart disease. That's why our bodies are failing because Adam and Eve were told, you may eat of any tree in the garden, everything in the garden is yours, except don't eat of that tree in the middle of the garden. And Eve saw that it was good for food. She was tempted. She gave into temptation. And therefore, she actually gave offspring to us today where we are today. She's our grandma, and he's our grandpa. And we got all the junk from both of them, right? And guess what? If you had kids, you just passed the junk on down the road. Amen? And when, you get, when those kids get married, the more junk keeps accumulating, the more doctors and nurses we're going to need. So it's a good medical profession. It's a good field to be in because junk keeps getting pushed down generation. The further we get away from Adam and Eve, the more and more stuff. Sin always brings death. James 1, 12 through 17 tells us 
about how temptation enters our life. Temptation gives into a thought. Thought gives into a sin. Sin brings death. You can read that on your own. I want you to see this in notes. God gives Christian freedoms in this life. We have freedoms. It's amazing to think about when Paul was talking about here about eating these meats. Uh, we think about today, well, we do have the freedoms. We, we eat about any meat we want to. I went up to uh, Greenville this week and saw my friend from the Navy, reconnected after 30 years. It's pretty crazy, a long time. Uh, we connected on social media and then went back and just had lunch, talked about life. And we went to a Thai restaurant uh, for dinner. And I told the guy, I said, he come out, he goes, he was from Laos. And I said, um, what, do, what do you have uh, that's hot? He goes, oh, we have some hot, but you don't want that probably. And I'm like, is that a white guy thing? You're saying because you're, you, you, know, you can handle it. I said, bring me what you eat. He goes, I like it hot. I said, bring me what you eat. And brother, he brought me some stuff that was smoking. I'm telling you, it was hot. But I noticed as we were eating, we were talking about different things in, in our church backgrounds, and there was a Buddha on the wall. And I'm like, oh, this is what we're preaching about, right? Can I eat this food, even if they're back in the back praying uh, over this food or dedicating the food? Now, I know they're not praying. I know the Laotians are not praying over the food to bless it in the name of Buddha. But what if they were? Because there was a Buddha head. You been ever, anybody ever been to Jada, China? Big old fat Buddha sitting like that. He's like, come rub my belly, right? Uh, some of the Asian Buddhas are big fat, fat guys, and some are like really skinny with the, all the decorative crazy heads and things, like acorns on their head. Y'all have seen them? Because you know what? why I say that? Because idols are what? Nothing. They're just imaginations that some dude created, some person created, and started selling them. And you can buy them by the dozens anywhere you travel overseas. They're nothing. They mean nothing. They have no power. Even if someone gives you one, don't, and you bring it to your house going, oh, goodness, what do we do with this? It's an idol. It was dedicated. It can't bring, listen, don't give that idol, don't give that wooden piece of thing, that stone, any credibility. It's just a rock. It's just a piece of wood. So if someone gives you a gift and says, this was dedicated to our God, now you can start talking about, I can't accept that because you now you're telling me that it was dedicated to your God. I have a, relig- uh, a Christian belief that I cannot actually come into and enter into that relationship with you in whatever situation it might be. I have the freedom to eat there. I have the freedom to have that. Uh, even in Canada, we were there. We were, the, the, we were eating a lot of uh, Middle Eastern restaurants because we worked with the Egyptian church. The guys just come straight out and throw the uh, prayer rugs out and get in the middle of the floor and pray. Uh, they would pray during eating. And I'm, you know, my military, <laughs> Martin, were kicking in going, wait a minute, okay. I don't have a weapon anywhere on me, right? You're, you're, you're profiling. You shouldn't, but we're thinking how we were trained. What's this guy doing? You know, are they dedicating this food? And, you know, if you eat it, uh, if you have Muslim friends, that Halil, the food is actually set aside like a Jewish friend is kosher. Um, so the food is dedicated to God, their gods, and it's killed in a certain way, and, and there's, a, there's a procedure. Paul's saying, listen, can you eat that meat? Yes. But if they bring you over to their house, you're going to see this in just a minute. If they invite you over to eat, should you go over to a lost person's house and eat? Yes. Listen, your friends are your friends no matter what stripe they might be. Amen? You got, hopefully you've got multiple friends of multiple backgrounds, multiple colors. Everybody looks different. We're all... Uh, Adam and Eve's grandchildren, right? If your friends are your friends, obviously you do things with your friends. Y'all don't have friends. Y'all don't understand that concept? All right, you do things with your friends, right? Lost or saved, but you have to be careful. There are restrictions. We'll see that in just a minute. Freedom in Christ should be profitable for every Christian. Yes or no? Yes, because it's from Christ. We can live life his way with a clear conscience. Paul understood meat from the market was just that, meat. It didn't matter if it was sacrificed to idols or not. He didn't care. 
He didn't care. He said, I can eat it. And, and some of that meat was actually usually the best meat was sacrificed to idols. So you can get the best steak or lamb chops that you can get down in the market. I want you to see this. God has divine ownership of the earth and everything in it. Is that true from the word? Psalm 124. It does not matter if a pagan priest or any other declares it otherwise. God still has authority, right? You can imagine a little bitty man, even the most wicked, satanic person saying, no, this part of the property is dedicated to Satan and this is not God's. And God's in heaven going, oh no. He has authority over the word, right? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it is God's. It doesn't matter what little man says or little woman says. Everything is God's. So therefore, Paul says, I can eat it because everything's God's. I don't care what they said about this was dedicated to an idol. That doesn't bother me. These men are, if you say there is no God, Psalm 14 says, you're a fool. These are just foolish actors on the planet dressed up in some kind of garb that makes them look important. And they're saying certain things, and if they get authority or power, they'll start killing people to show that they have authority, right? Because that's how dictators and other people that rule, they have to show you, they have to put you away or put you out, and then they'll start actually have a following because people want to naturally fall in line because he said so, she said so. Are we doing it today? Are we doing it in our society in America today? You have boys who say they're girls, and society says, well, that's, you just have to treat them the way they're, they're, they are. These are people who had been put in insane asylums 30 years ago. You have girls today saying they're cats. We've talked about this. You say, well, I don't believe that. Go to your public school. Ask a public school teacher if, if I'm telling you the truth. And you have parents endorsing that saying, make arrangements for my child. How foolish of people can we possibly be? Me and Mark were talking about men now are saying they're women dressed in women officer uniforms. You imagine there is no way under the kingdom of heaven that I would salute a man in a woman's outfit and call him, good morning, ma'am. Not, I would go to the brig. I, I would be dishonorably discharged. There is no way today I could serve in today's military and salute a woman, a man in a woman's clothing saying, good morning, ma'am. I would not do that. I will not do it in society. If you introduce me to your trans friend, and, and I can tell they're a guy, I'm going to call them a guy. If I have to deal with them, I'm not calling them Letitia or whatever it might be, or, or, or Lisa, I'm not going to call her that. I'm going to call her, uh, him by his name. We are the foolish adults that are saying, well, we don't want to cause any harm to anybody. I don't want to cause harm either. But you're not going to make me violate my Christian, listen, my freedoms I have in Christ. You're not going to violate who I am in Christ because I'm free to actually accept you now. You're welcome to come. Anybody's welcome to come to this church in any kind of fashion, whatever, whatever your, your, your choices are in life. And we've had people say, That's, y'all are the meanest church on the planet. I know there's gonna, we're going to get some emails, and I'm willing to take them. Y'all are the meanest church in Aiken. One woman said, I have a homosexual son, and you will not let him, he and his partner come. I said, they've never come. But I said, here's what they're welcome to do. And you can hear me say this from my own mouth. They are welcome to come to this church. Anyone's welcome to come to this church. But you will not show public display of affection in this place. If you act in an abominable way before the Lord and God's people, because we come here to worship God. We didn't come here to entertain ourselves. If you act in an abominable way here, we're going to ask you to stop it. If you refuse to stop, we're going to have security send you out the door. And if you won't leave, we'll call Aiken Public Safety and have you put on trespass notice. But you are welcome to come here and be civil and to watch because you can't worship God. There's no way to worship God if you're not a Christian. Y'all know that, right? You can sing songs, you can like tap your hands or whatever, but you can't worship till you belong to the one 
who is being worshipped. So anyone's welcome here, and even boyfriend and girlfriends and husband and wives, there, uh, there's, there is no room for PDA here in front of the children in front of the God's people. That happens in your personal home. That happens in your, in your private setting. So anyone, you can invite your friends. They're welcome, but they're going to hear the truth from the Word of God. Would you rather them be offended by the Word of God and potentially get saved and go to heaven or never hear the Word of God and go to hell? You don't love your neighbor. You don't love your brother's sister. You don't love your coworker. You don't love your professors, whoever they might be, unless you tell them the truth. Y'all, because that dirt road comes to an end. It's coming to an end. Your life is coming to an end. This is the first week in the month that we haven't had a funeral in this building. First. But listen, it's coming for all of us. And then the judgment, the word of God says. All right, let me speed up. So God has divine ownership of the earth. He says it very clearly. Christians should maintain social fellowships with believers and unbelievers. It is appropriate to discuss boundaries discreetly. Please don't shame your unbelieving friends. Don't go to their house. And we get invited to homes, and it doesn't bother me when people's language. It doesn't bother me with how people drink alcohol, whatever they do. Now, cigarette smoke bothers me, but I just tell them don't smoke around me because I, I don't want to breathe that trash because that affects me personally, right? Uh, but everything else, it doesn't bother me. You say, Pastor, you're a pastor. I love the Lord Jesus Christ, but I've, I've heard more said in four years in the military than, I, than you can hear in a lifetime, right? We, we just learned a new vocabulary. So what people say, and we've had people that come to our church, and when you travel overseas, they'll sit things before you. In Canada, we were celebrating because God was doing a good work. A pastor from Australia was at this house, and ladies were, a husband and a lady were Egyptians, and we stayed with them, and we're from America, they're from Australia, we're all together. She didn't know what we liked. She didn't know how we celebrated in Australia as well as America, so she just bought a big bottle of champagne. And she came out and she goes, so today's such a great day of celebration, what we had happen at church today, I I bought this champagne for us to celebrate. We had a great meal and a bottle of champagne. Should I as pastor? Now, it's already happened, so there's a past tense. Do I drink the champagne or not? This is the one who said no. Who said no? All right, so now champagne's an alcohol, right? It's, it's a mixed wines. Do I drink it or not? Is it a dilemma for me? It's not a dilemma. It's a situation, right? But it's not a dilemma. And I said, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me. That, I mean, that's the, like one of the most expensive. She told me it was an expensive bottle of champagne. Thank you for thinking of us like that and for celebrating. That's not how we celebrate. Some Americans do, but we don't celebrate that way. We celebrate with iced tea, sweet tea, right? right? Or water. We're good. We just celebrate because of what God has done. We don't have to drink alcohol to say that he's done and celebrate that way. The Australian pastor said, yes, we do down under. Pour me a cup, right? So we're sitting at dinner, and he's drinking more than one cup of champagne, and I'm drinking water. I, am I any better than he, or is he any better than me? We both had our religious liberties and freedoms. I'm of the conviction that a pastor can't drink alcohol. I just believe that from the Scripture. We are set apart in a unique way. But can a Christian have a glass of wine or champagne? If that's your conviction, the answer is yes, you have, you have freedoms. But if it leads me astray, now we got an issue, Right? The weaker brother and sister, that's when you've got to actually say no to my, my freedoms. I say, I will not do that if it causes he or her to be led astray. So Paul is very clear. I believe you should discuss those boundaries discreetly. Tell them ahead of time. This is, I'm, hey, I don't drink alcohol. So we had another situation. Me and Wendy went right over here Woodside. Guy was from Lebanon. Pastor, what are you drinking? I said, water. No, no, no. What are you drinking? 
because we're celebrating. He asked me to come over, and he was getting a group of neighbors together so that we could actually share the gospel. So I'm like, yeah, I'll share the gospel with a tall Budweiser in my hand, right? It's, it's, it just doesn't correlate. It doesn't correlate for a, 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 me as a pastor in my mind. And, and I said, water, and Wendy, Diet Coke, and no, 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 what are you drinking? He said, try this. This is a Lebanese drink. And, of course, he pours me a drink. I said, it's better not be alcohol. And he's just smiling. He goes back inside, comes back out drinking. I said, he said, how did you like it? I was like, it burns, and it tastes like licorice, right? Well, he gave me something like ouzo. So I drank something, and I, I just tried it. I was like, that's alcohol. He goes, yeah, we take it every day at 4 o'clock to relax. I'm like, man, what are you doing? Just keep me plain water and don't, don't, don't juice my water, right? So we were friends then. We're still friends today. He knows where I stand, and, and we love each other still. All right, if challenged regarding our Christian faith, this is where somebody says, hey, this was dedicated. I, I bought this special. I, I bought the extra round chuck or whatever it is. I, I bought this because you, this was the extra money. I, had, I spent extra money because this was dedicated to the, to the main God. Then they're challenging your faith. And watch what the challenge is here, the conscience sake he's talking about. If challenged regarding the Christian faith, one must respond to unbelievers' challenge because it is a challenge to the lordship of Christ. They're saying, my God is so special, I want to put my God's sacrifice meat into you, right? Or my way is so great, and it could be pagan or it could be other gods. Be careful. If you've got friends family members that are Mormons, just because they're nice people does not mean they're saved. They are not saved if they haven't given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's the truth. If you have friends who claim themselves as, as kingdom hall Jehovah witness, they're not saved. They believe Jesus Christ was a created being. You cannot just say, hey, they're good with God because they sound just like us. They're not like us. They're, thank you, thank you, Adrian. They're not like us. They say similar things, but they don't believe in the deity of Christ alone. They don't. All right, the Apostle Paul. And by the way, he, he references Psalm 24 again. The earth is the Lord and, and everything therein, right? Everything belongs to God. He's representing it because, one, doesn't matter what they say about it, but two, because they say it's dedicated to a God, you say, no, I need you to understand. The earth is the Lord's and everything therein. Now you, you defend from the principle of saying, this is God's. How dare you call it your pagan gods or whatever it might be? The Apostle Paul summarizes our Christian lives, our freedoms, and our ability to keep our conscience and our neighbor's conscience clear. Do all things for what? To the glory of God. This is the greatest love, Matthew 22. People are precious to God. The Bible tells us that God loves the Jews. We should be praying for the peace of Israel today. So we love the Jews. God loves the people of the nations, the Greeks or Gentiles, your Bible might say. That's what it means, the people of the nations. So we love the people of the nations. That's why we have missionaries. That's why we support international missions. You see in your bulletin today, a lot of even Christmas offering. Give sacrificially that give so that they may go. God loves his church, so we love his church. And the church is not the building. The church is you and me that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants none to be offended. There is no glory brought to God when a Christian exercises freedoms and it harms a weaker brother, sister, or unbeliever. When you spike the ball in somebody's face because I'm a Christian, it's the worst thing you possibly could do. Now, Paul says, I please all people. He's not saying, I'm, I'm just yes, sir, yes, ma'am. He's not just a yes boy. Look what he says. The church at Corinth and the universal church today must receive the challenge Paul issued, here's the challenge. The challenge is to have our zeal for the souls of all people. We must be unselfish soul winners. Right? If it costs you a deal, if it costs you a meal, right, you've got to be unselfish because that soul matters. Everybody has a name, every name has a soul, and every soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. Don't forget that.
and you might be influenced in their life to actually bring about a change for the Lord Jesus Christ. You are to be a soul winner, knowing that Christ is doing the work through you. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we know that um, it's a big responsibility we have. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. Help us, Lord, when we're challenged, that we would actually receive that challenge in Jesus' name, knowing that we can't live this Christian life by ourselves, but we live it in and through the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen.